Tonight is current events in light of biblical prophecy. The main one we're going to look at is Mark 13. It's going to be the one we read. It's going to be verses 3 through 37. They'll be on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible or you don't like your small print, they'll be up there. But there's Matthew 24 and Luke 21 that also kind of mirror these. So we don't have to read all three of them. I somewhat put little notes in there that we'll go through it and we'll do a little bit of commentary as we read through it. Again, if you have any questions, if, if I'm reading on the screen, please raise your hand and yell or something to get my attention. Uh, the words, I'll have to look this way. So I'll read it for the people online. But I might be looking this way. It might be a little hard to hear. Now, as he, obviously Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things will be fulfilled? Matthew also added, What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The end of the age is basically the end of all life as we know it before eternity and the second coming of Jesus. In response, he talks about the tribulation. So when we look at these things, we won't see the full fulfillment. We'll just see the beginning or the lead up to it. So that's important. Jesus answering them began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. That's pretty interesting in today's world. Deception is afoot. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled for such things must happen. The end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. In the English, it looks like he's repeated himself, but he really hasn't. Nation is ethnos, meaning ethnic groups or ethnic groups of people. So there will be ethnic groups warring against ethnic groups, and kingdom is politic or nation-state versus nation-state. So there are two very different things. There will be earthquakes in various places. Various, again, doesn't sound like it, it just makes it sound like, oh, there's one here and there. That's got to be the end. It actually means in places they're not usually found. And there will be famines and troubles. The interesting thing in the original language of that lead up is that it doesn't say that there will be a lack of food to fulfill everybody, but people will have a lack of access to the food. So through leaders or supply chain issues, as we would call them today, is what, what they're talking. These are the beginning of sorrows, and Luke adds, signs from heaven. But watch out for yourselves. He's speaking about the Jews, because the disciples are both Jews and Christians. For they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations, again, ethnos or ethnic groups. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. Whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by my name's sake. But he who endures shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. People believe this was worldwide, but Judea is only in one place. We're obviously still talking about the Jews. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back and get his clothes. 
But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter. For in those days there will be tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. That, that worries us that we might be deceived. But this is the second warning to not be deceived. And the actual language means you wouldn't be deceived if you truly know him. But take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after the, that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather them, or gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the furthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near, at the doors. Assuredly, so he's getting our attention. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Mm -hmm. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening or midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. That's a pretty intense section of scripture there. Few questions come to mind. We said this generation shall not pass. What is a generation? We we've seen what appear to be generations getting longer or shorter, but again, that's sort of subjective. We need to look at what the Bible says. Does it give us a time period for a generation? And in fact, it does. In in Psalm 90, the only one written by Moses, in verse 10, it actually tells us a generation. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for as soon as it's cut off, we fly away. So that answers that, 70 to 80 years. But what's with the fig tree? He's talking about a fig tree. When I was studying, it was like, it's just a fig tree. So if we look at Mark 11, here's a story that really didn't make sense when I read it the first time. But keeping in mind, Jesus doesn't do random. He's not just going to do something. there. If, if it doesn't make sense, you should probably dig into it because there is something deep behind it. So in Mark 11, shortly before Palm Sunday, he said, is where we're at now. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry and seeing a far fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. 
a little later, in verses 20 and 21, we come back to this fig tree. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree, which you cursed, has withered away. It always just struck me. Like, first off, it's not the season for figs. So why would he curse this poor tree for no reason? And why did they find this important to put in here that he curses a tree? But it's symbolism. And symbolism, the nation of Israel has three sets of symbols that you can always attribute to it. First one is the vine. This is the spiritual promises of God to the nation of Israel. Basically, he is the, the source. The vine spreads out. They are thus carrying his word, showing the world who God is. That's that one. Then we have the olive. This is pretty familiar to us in the church. They were God's chosen people. When they failed to acknowledge him as Messiah, we became the wild olive branch that was grafted in. So the olive is obviously that. But the third one is the fig. This is where it ties it together. And that's the national privileges or the statehood of Israel. And so when he is approaching as the Messiah, his first coming is on Palm Sunday, where he actually enters as the Messiah. And the people weren't ready. We as the church are to bear fruit. The fruit are our good deeds because we, of what Jesus did, we, we go out and do what he's asked us to do. And we're supposed to do those all the time, even when it's not convenient. So he shows up to the nation of Israel and they're not bearing fruit. And neither is this fig tree. And there's really no out of season time for your Messiah or for your good works. And so he curses them for not being ready. And as as the curse falls upon the fig tree and it withers and dies, so does their nation. And we see that they are dispersed later. In 70 AD, the temple's destroyed, but they're dispersed for nearly 2,000 years. Then we get the fig tree coming back. The reason? They weren't ready. And we're told to be ready. We're told to watch and to redeem the time. So we have the same warning, and we should also be ready. So the fig tree blooming is the major prophetic sign for the end times. Paul was looking for the rapture right up until 2 Thessalonians, before he's about to be beheaded, and he says, you'll get it. Up until then, he was saying, we, we, we. When he knew the next day he was going to die, he had a pretty good hope, that, or a pretty good idea that maybe he was going to not see it in his lifetime. But he expected it. And why is that? Because Jesus said, I come soon. And there is nothing prophetic that has to precede the rapture. This is why every generation has said, possibly our generation, and soon. But it has to come before the tribulation starts, because the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. And the restrainer has to be moved out of the way. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That's something very special. Old Testament saints, tribulation saints. The Holy Spirit operates as it comes upon me. When it came upon Saul and he didn't kill the Amalekites, it was taken from him, put on David. David, when he had his issue with Bathsheba, said, please do not take your spirit from it. He didn't take it from him, but that was an option that he was very fearful. We don't have that fear. He says, when you accept me and I indwell you, I will never leave you. We are the only people in all of eternity that that happens with. And so when we are raptured, the restrainer is out of the way. And then evil can take place. So for the tribulation, if we have kind of a sign that the tribulation is here, we're getting close. 
then we know our rapture has to be a little bit sooner. And so the fig tree bloomed on May 14th, 1948, with the rebirth of Israel. The only nation in recorded history that has ever come back, let alone according to numerous prophecies about happening in one day, how the tribes would be united, the nation would bloom, so on and so on. I mean, we'd be here all night if we went through them all, but that is 1948. And then we got to take this. I'm not setting any dates. I'm not putting anything saying this or that. Please don't mishear me. But if we combine Psalm 90, verse 10, with May 14th, 1948, which is the blooming of the fig tree, we know that 70 years actually passed in 2018, which means we are in a very special window. That 80 years, which is not hard math, but that puts us at 2028. 20, That's not a long time. When we see what's going on in the world, when we start to see that Jesus, I mean, those were red words, the, the fig tree parable or the red words, he's pretty reliable. I'd say he's the most reliable person in the Bible. I, I'm seeing some things lining up that, that's getting attention, and we're in that sweet spot, if you will. Again, not setting dates, but the Bible is very specific at times, and one of those that I want to take you to is Daniel, the 70 weeks prophecy. Now, an interesting thing about this is some people get really uptight about the 70 weeks. Could you say 70 weeks, and then you say 490 years, and they're like, that's not weeks. 70 weeks is not in the original language. It's actually 77s. It's only earlier in the verse that we get years, and we know it's years. We have the hindsight to be able to see that it is, in fact, the years, because it fits perfect. But weeks is not there. It's a added word or something that we put in there, uh, but it's actually 77s if you take the original language. But here's basically what it says. 70 weeks or 490 years are determined for your people. That's the Jews, your holy city, which is Jerusalem. And here's the mission statement. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, all of that is salvation, to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy, which is basically to round out the Bible. It's a heck of a mission statement for one, one prophecy, but this is the backbone of Jewish prophecy. And then it continues, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild the, uh, Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, that's actually two things here, there shall be seven weeks, or 49 years, that's seven times seven, and 62 weeks. So the rebuilding of Jerusalem, 49 years, and until the Messiah, 62 weeks, or 434 years. Now, an interesting thing is we have debates about four dates in history. Problem is three of those dates are about the rebuilding of the temple. Only one date is about the rebuilding of Jerusalem, and that is found in Nehemiah 2, verse 1. It's one of the best recorded dates in history because Artaxerxes' ascent is very very prominent in ancient history, and it says it's 20 years when he says uh, Nisan in Jewish tradition or, or stuff. If I were to say June 2023, they would know, oh, he said June 2023, that's June 1st. It's obviously the first. So it's Nisan 1, 440, 465 BC, or 445 BC. Um, I wrote these dates down so I don't get them wrong, but when we convert that to our calendar, because that doesn't make any sense to us. What we're looking at 
is March 14th, 445 BC. That's the day Nehemiah got the order to rebuild the city. Now, the 49 years it was completed, as depicted in, in Nehemiah to the day. But then they had to count the other 434 years. And it continued that the street shall be built again, the wall even in troublesome time. That's about the rebuilding of the city. That, in fact, happened if you read Nehemiah. And after the 62 weeks, that's 173,880 days, if you want to do the math in our calendar, the Messiah shall be cut off. If you take March 14th, 445 B.C., and you add that many days, you come to April 6th, 32 A.D., the exact day that we know as Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode in on a donkey through the East Gate, fulfilling multiple prophecies. Which is why he said, had you known this was the day, you should have known this was your day, the day of your visitation. They knew the exact day. We don't know the exact day he's coming to get us. They did. He says, the Messiah shall be cut off. He comes in on Sunday, has the Last Supper on Thursday. He's cut off on Friday. So less than a week. But not for himself. Obviously that was for us. And the people of the prince who is to come, this is the Antichrist, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. That happened in 70 AD. The end of it shall be with a flood. Till the end of the war, desolations are determined. The war is the war in heaven. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That's the seven years. But in the middle of that week, Revelation says it in three different ways, just in case we had any question, they put it in three and a half years, 30 months, or 1260 days, all meaning the exact same thing. He shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. History shows the Bible is pretty accurate. In fact, it's never been wrong. Looking at that 2028 and the way the world's going, I, I kind of can see how that goes. Uh, later on, if you'd like to see it, I have several of these slides that break down the church age and based to Daniel's 70 weeks, whichever infograph you like the best, feel free to, I can send it to you or you can take it. It breaks it down into the book of Revelation and where in that they come out and all of that. I also had a, a, a goofy video that I think I'm going to skip, but it basically explained that if the rapture, Jack Hibbs, I don't know if anybody knows who he is, but he's a pastor. That I like to follow. And he said, if, a, if the tribulation is a school bus, Jesus gave us the warnings, we know about when to look for it. And as it's pulling up, it starts flashing those lights. Oh, well, it's getting close. Jesus promised before it actually stops, he's going to come and pick us up. So at some point, this sports car is going to whip around and pick us up. And based on what we're seeing in 1948, you could see the bus. And as we got closer, the lights started flashing yellow. And I dare say it's now flashing red and that sign's starting to swing out. So that's just my feeling. We, we have these, the second coming. Now, the other thing we can look at being set up is this new war that has kicked off in Israel. And everybody keeps asking, oh, is this, is, is this Psalm 83? No, it's not Psalm 83. Psalm 83 was fulfilled a long time ago. Is this Ezekiel 38, 39, the Gog-Magog war? No. And there's two of those. And the first one has not yet happened. This is a attack by a proxy of Iran, which is in Ezekiel. 
but it's not a nation-state war. Uh, Ezekiel, without reading the entire chapter, basically says that the leader of Russia will form a military alliance with Iran, Turkey, Sudan, Libya. If you lay the maps down, you can kind of get Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, and Afghanistan in there also. Uh, but they'll attack them in a surprise attack. This was a surprise attack, so it can still be done. Uh, and they are all pretty much in Syria. There's a few of them that aren't, but that's not very far away. So it it could be a setup. I do believe it's a great setup for what we're, where you would see the Ezekiel War. Uh, it's also a great setup. Really, where I'm watching right now is Damascus. So Isaiah 17, 1. Also, there's a prophecy in Jeremiah uh, that elaborates on it, but it basically says Damascus is going to be destroyed. And shockingly, Iran's sending all of their troops right now and proxies into Damascus. So when this thing with Hezbollah goes south in a little while, watch for Damascus to maybe uh, disappear. Because it says it will never be inhabited again and the fire will burn through all of the palaces of Ben-Hadid, which would be the kings or Bashar al-Assad in today's world, and burn everybody basically out of there. So most of our Christian friends are out of there. There's not really many of them left in Damascus. So unfortunately, everybody who's left is, is not going up, it seems. So any questions? I mean, I've, I've basically been... Talking, I've been looking to see if anybody has any questions. Questions. Yes. Okay. So I missed that there was two God make God course. I thought there was just one. So there's one, this one, and then there's one at the end of Revelation. Right. That's the one. Yep. What and so this is in Ezekiel and it's called Gog Magog. Yep. And and people sometimes can confuse them. The Gog Magog is right before. We enter into eternity, basically. Yeah. This Gog Magog is actually believed to be the one that would bring the Antichrist out. Uh, because the end of it, the Russian, Iranian, Turkish, all those ones that I just listed, their militaries are gone. Even back home, military command and control is taken out. And so I ask you, if Russia, Iran, Turkey, Sudan, Libya, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, and Azerbaijan, Militaries all disappeared in one day. Most people would be going, we need peace. Can we have a timeout? And somebody's going to pop up and make that peace deal. Now, when we read Daniel, when it said we'll confirm a covenant, the word confirm in English, we think, is the one who makes it. But actually in Hebrew, it actually means to increase. So it might not be the original. Don't think you missed the rapture if you see a seven-year peace. We somehow lived to see the Gog Magog War. When you see a seven-year peace deal, don't think you missed it. Because the Antichrist is going to increase it. And it's going to be a person, the Antichrist has to come from political obscurity. So if you see all these world leaders that you've heard of making the deal, that ain't him. So Gog is actually a person, Magog is a country. So Gog would be the military ruler of, uh, of Russia. Wait, so are you predicting that the rupture will start now, like, 2028? No. Yeah. We're not setting dates. Not to worry. Yeah, don't worry. You won't miss it. Okay? You'll exit stage up. How's that? Any other... Did I explain your Gog-Magog war? 
Yeah, I guess I just thought that it was all just different predictions about the same thing. No, they are, they're, they're two different timings because the results are two different things. So, yes, ma'am. I saw something here the slide that the white thing is moving like that. Yes. There could be. So nothing in prophecy says that as soon as we disappear, the tribulation has to stop. But it can't start until we're gone. Does that answer your question? Yes, ma'am. Do you think that's when you think they would do this revival ever? Like they're saying, you know, when we be back this one and everybody's panicking, like, did I miss it? Well, it could be. Uh, so there's some interesting things about the rapture. So actually, when I am of the belief that the children, the babies, they get raptured with us. Uh, and that's based on what happens with David's son is the best example. So when he he has his soiree with Bathsheba, the child is born, he prays for him, but he dies. He then says, I will go to be with him. He can no longer come to be with me. Well, we know that David is going to heaven. There's a few people that the Bible says we're, we know where they end up. So if his child went, it's not because of who he is. Nobody goes to heaven because of who you are. It's who you know and who you've accepted. Does that somewhat help? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Who did you say Magog was? Magog's a country. So when Gog's you read it, the leader. Gog's the leader of Russia. Of Russia, yeah. The far north, the country of the far north. If you go any further north, you're not going to hit anything. So we're pretty sure it's Russia. Uh, and there's about 10 criteria for this Magog war that Israel has to fulfill to set it up. Right? And that's pretty close. Well, one of the things is they have to be rich because they come in for the small. They have the largest, outside of the U.S., the largest natural gas, and they are really eating into Putin's natural gas spark up. And uh, when somebody decided that Nord Stream had to go away, that really upped Israel's income in that area through Egypt. They're also supplying fruit to Europe. And they just made a deal, you'll see in the slideshow, with Azerbaijan for wheat, which they were getting from Russia. So Putin, in case you're not aware, Putin's not doing well in Russia, the, the economy. And China isn't either. If you watch the news, they make you think like China is just this powerhouse of economy. And they're pretty much screwed at this point. Uh, and everybody's so scared they're going to call our debt. Well, if they do, they default. So we don't really have to worry about that. Uh, but something is going to happen to cause it to fall because the Antichrist will create a one-world currency and government. And that's why I don't think crypto is going anywhere because that's a pretty good idea of what would be a, a one-world currency that they could track all this stuff. So. When do you think we're going to collapse economically? Prior to or after? I'm thinking the rapture is the collapse. I don't think so. I, that is my prayer. You know, none of us really want to ride that. Uh, but we as a nation have really done enough to justify him giving us the big whack. Right. Uh, but I really hope that the rapture is what does it. Uh, but we're doing a pretty good job of collapsing ourselves on our own at the, at the same time.
the, the interesting thing is that U.S. is really the only country on the face of the earth that would, in every level, be decapitated if the rapture happened, even still. Enough people would disappear from not only our national government, but our local governments, our municipal governments, police departments. I mean, there's enough Christians that still, doctors and every field, from the people who are picking up the trash to doing your water, to, it doesn't matter. We are still permeating society. And when they all disappear along with the children, you would expect mass chaos, but that's not what the Bible says it happens. It says that they all believe the lie. And it's singular. It's a singular lie, which is why I find it very interesting that all of a sudden these alien or UAP hearings are coming out. You know, I'm not saying that's the setup, but you know, when you look at all the Marvel stuff and everybody's being primed for, for all these stories and I don't know, it, there's a lot of stuff converging at once that uh, really has me me thinking. So Satan knows what's coming. Yes. So what's what's funny is the Bible says he's blinded to the prophetic things. Even even the coming Messiah, Paul, I believe in Second Corinthians 2 says that had he known what he was doing when he crucified Jesus, he'd have never done. So, you know, it says these are things that angels seek to look into. So they're blinded to a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of people believe he doesn't know that he's lost. He's got to think that blinding's already blind. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that, that blinding is still well, blind. You know, the heart's maybe not so much, you know, because it's, it's, it's really hard to grasp Oh. Thinking of people. Oh, wow, yeah. Even in today, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's for sure. Yeah. So, let's take a look at this. Here's some uh, resources I would I would urge you to take a look at. The first one is, if you have a smartphone, you're going to want to look at Telegram. Uh, if you want to take a picture of the slider, I can get it to you later. That's Behold Israel, or a guy named Amir Sarfati. He's a... Uh, Messianic Jew who's actually over in Israel, he lives in the uh, Megiddo Valley or Armageddon. Uh, he puts out reliable information and he will keep you up to date on, on what's going on all around the world, let alone he is, he is the video you will see 99% of it came from him. These are his posts that I just compiled. So he did all the work. I used a movie editor and put them together and put some words at the bottom. So don't think that I'm like some research guru here. Uh, the other one is the End Times Prophecy Book. What do you think about these people who call themselves prophets today? There's just so many. I have friends really intelligent talk about blindness. They really believe some of these internet <laughs> prophets were making big bucks. Our prophets, because they say, thus saith the Lord. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, I can say that, too. But, everything they say. Uh, well, what's funny is, if you watch Amir, one of his favorite jokes is, I am uh, from a non-profit organization. <laughs> um, but there's, there's two different ways to look at it. The biblical gift of prophecy is not necessarily telling the future. It is convicting somebody and getting them to actually come back to the faith. That's actually prophecy. A lot of the ways they did it is to prove if you don't do this, you're going to get whacked, and this is how, and it came true, and that's why we think prophecy. Uh, foretelling the future, 
pretty much is done. I mean, the, when when Revelation was done, the Bible was done. There's no more prophecies to be had. There's no the Bible literally says there's no private interpretation. There's no secrets. In fact, one of the big hits on Islam that they don't like to hear is the Old Testament and even Saul's testaments. In fact, I'm pretty sure the entire Bible was written. It was written before Muhammad was visited by an angel. And Paul said, even if an angel comes to you with a different gospel, don't believe them, for they will be anathema. What does that mean? That means uh, screw. It's a nice way to put it. Uh, but Fake. Yeah, and, and that's where we get Islam. Any other questions before we go into this, this video? Yes, ma'am. It was New King James. New King James? Yep. Where did you say it says there is something like there is no more prophets in the internet sealed or how did you say that? So it says the I'd have to look it up. I don't know the, the scripture off the top of my head, but it says there is uh the prophecy is sealed. There is no no more, you know. God's, no more of God's revelation. His word is complete. Uh, it says it several different places, but I'd have to look up where those are. Uh, and keep in mind, God was quiet for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. So it's not unheard of. Any other questions? Okay. Again, this is about a 17 and a half minute video. Um, it's probably stuff you haven't seen or hadn't heard. Again, I took clips, I put them together, I didn't adjust for audio, so some things may be loud, some things may be quiet. Uh, I tried to give you enough time to read, but I also didn't want it to be a 40-minute video, and I intended it to go much longer than it did, so... Thoughts? Hold on. Yeah, U.S. Jewish reporter. Yeah. For what? He asked a question he didn't like. Yeah. Kicked him out. No. He basically asked why did Rashida Tlaib not recount or or recant that the, the Israel struck the hospital versus everybody knows was a Palestinian or not a Palestinian an Islamic Jihad missile that struck them. Oh, yeah. What if happened to hate speech? None of this is hate speech. Only when Christian says, go peacefully and protest quietly. Mm -hmm. That's hate speech. So what I found interesting, putting this together and obviously watching it over and over, um, Jesus said it would be like the times of Noah and Lot. And the amount of flooding I saw was kind of the poignant story of Noah. But the other thing about Noah is, why did the flood happen? The flood happened because of the Genesis 6 rendezvous with the Nephilim, the demonic entities that created the Nephilim. And we're starting to see that with all these UAPs and alien things and Explain to some of us what Nephilim is. Uh, Nephilim is when the angels, angels is a title. The angels that had fallen and followed uh, Lucifer or Satan or the devil, they came down and actually some of them chose women as 
wives and the children they had were the giants, much like Goliath and his brothers and uh, Anakin and Nephilim and uh, Raphaim. And what's interesting is Joshua's conquest of the Holy Land is ended when those areas are conquered. It literally says that the rest of the giants have fled to the Palestinian area, which is what David then thinks. So. <laughs> Have you read Jonathan's Jonathan Kahn's Return of the Gods? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I haven't read it, but I've seen him speak. And so much of this just jives. It's in his speaking. I he's truly a prophet. The stuff he brings out in and with dates and times and it's phenomenal. I've never looked at Have you read stuff. any of his stuff? Mm -hmm. oh. We're reading it right now. Okay. And I'll give it to you after you. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, and then Lot. Lot was obviously poignantly based on sexual sin. And we're seeing that. So everything is on the board, if you will. Uh, some of the people in the chats have made some comments here which I apologize. I am horrible at checking the chat boxes and when I'm looking at my other thing. Uh, but they were talking about Muslims seeing visitations of Jesus. Uh, in fact, when ISIS was at the height of their power and they were expanding, they just all of a sudden stopped expanding and attacked churches. And the reason for that that didn't seem to get out was so many of their soldiers were seeing this man in white and converting to Christianity they were losing more soldiers to Christianity than they were in military battles. So they tried to, they mistakenly thought that the church was where Jesus was. And so they took down the building and couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. So and that's an interesting point. And that continues, you know, to this day that they're seeing it. 